Hello, and welcome to another episode of Are You Fucking Shitting Me? This is Rachel Peacock. I'm April Lunston. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. Rachel, do you remember when you first heard about the Persian Gulf War? I know it was a long time ago, but... I do. I was a senior in high school, so I actually remember it very clearly. I remember seeing... um, the oil fields like on fire. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and then I remember being actually in school and being pulled out of class and we were in the commons, the cafeteria area, and um, our teachers had brought out all these TVs and we actually were watching us go to war. I think that was the first time we saw war live on television, right? It was the first time I had seen it live on television, yeah. Yeah, it was really, really surreal. I remember I was just out of high school. I think I was in my first year of community college. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the end of the day, and I was working out at this women's gym called Living Well Lady. Living Well. Living Well Lady. Totally dorky. (laughs) And uh, they had TVs in the gym also, and... um, and this news flash comes on that we've started war. And I was like, wait, what just happened? And I remember everyone else around me was watching the news too, but we were all just still working out on our machines, trying to figure out like, wait, what's going on? Just two hours ago, Allied Air Forces began an attack on military targets in Iraq and Kuwait. These attacks continue as I speak. Ground forces are not engaged. This conflict started August 2nd, when the dictator of Iraq invaded a small and helpless neighbor. Kuwait, a member of the Arab League and a member of the United Nations, was crushed. Its people brutalized. Five months ago, Saddam Hussein started this cruel war against Kuwait. Tonight, the battle has been joined. Yeah, that's exactly what I remember hearing hearing about we went to war just like that and it was a very at the time very distant feeling war even though i knew we were at war it it seemed not immediate but i met a a man a few years ago a friend of mine who actually is from kuwait and had been living in new york going to school i think he was two years in and he was home on summer vacation and there for a couple weeks when this happened and he really has a fascinating story about what it was like so let's just jump right into it here's Anwar Uh, Anwar al-Qurayshi it says Anwar al-Qurayshi in the way in Arabic we say it uh, yeah, I've been here in LA since '92, doing just uh, everything. <laughs> I came here; it's it's one big adventure to me, really, um, to get out of the norm of what I used to have my life, and I just to me, it's a big escape. Uh, I didn't pursue any dream or anything like it because actually, I feel like I really lived what I always wanted. Just be adventurous. Uh, I was in New York for two years. Uh, I was there studying um, general uh, education to set me up for the uh, to go to uh, you know college, which that's actually I should say that's one of the reasons I came here. I'm supposed to go to Pittsburgh. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got an acceptance in uh, University of Pittsburgh. I think uh, that's the visa I came with. And then uh, I 
got reinstated by the immigration. I said, no, I got to go visit my brother in L.A. first <laughs> before I start my school. And, and guess what? That changed everything. Came to L.A., I fell in love, and I stayed here forever. But when I was in New York, yeah, uh, that's when it all happened, of course. Well, I was young. I was uh, I'm going back. Oh, 1990. Yeah, that makes me, uh, what, uh, 19. And I was there for uh, a little time. And uh, uh, I went back to Kuwait, which that's where I'm from, of course. My family's there, all my friends that I grew up with. And uh, when I was in Kuwait, uh, this is what happened. I'm, of course, I'm catching up with my friends and all that. I remember we were watching The Last Temptation of Christ. I remember that one. And it was a late night. Everything was peaceful. It's u- the usual hangout because what we do, we go, ha- we go out, me and my friends, we... We get a grub, something to eat. We we talk, just like old boys, and then uh, we pick one of us, one of our houses. Like it was one of my friend's house. I remember. We he said, "Let's watch." It was laser disc at that time. We had laser discs. They're huge, and he just brought the Last Temptation of Christ. So he said, "Yeah, let's watch that at my house." So it was a long evening, long night. I remember probably we finished the movie by three thirty a.m. or something like that. I remember I lived like ten minutes away. Uh, by the time I got done with the movie, uh, leaving the house, saying goodbyes and all that, I was at my place maybe uh, 10 minutes before 4 a.m. And uh, quickly I changed into my, of course, uh, sleeping outfit and all that. Prior to that, I should say, I got a call from a friend of mine who got me the acceptance, who helped me get the acceptance at the University of Pittsburgh. He was in, in Erie, I think, uh, Penn State. Uh, he called me a week before the invasion. I said, Anwar, are you guys okay? And I said, yeah, we're, we're fine. Why? He said, no, in the news here, they're showing Iraqis by the border of Kuwait. They're just uh, lining up like almost for something. Is, it, is everything all right? And I said, yeah, I haven't heard anything. We're Kuwait and Iraq. They're in good terms. There's nothing going on. He said, yeah, I'm just worried, blah, blah. I said, okay. So now when I, I go back to me sleeping at 4 a.m., when I heard the boom, <clears throat> right away, I don't know why, but my mind took me to that conversation. I said, I hope that has nothing to do with what my friend told me. Because since he told me that, that stayed in my head. And me, myself, I, was, uh, I wasn't in trust with the Iraqi government at that time because they just came out of war with Iran. And, and I knew that they had a bad president. I'm not fond of Iran as well, but it's just that Iraq, I had to, they're closer and I had to worry about them. Before even I went sleep, actually, I remember that very well. I went outside. Something I, I remember in my little shorts, wearing T-shirts. It's like these are my sleeping uh, things I used to put on. I went out to the f- back of the house. And barely uh, the light was coming out. Uh, it's like uh, early dawn. And I see two jets just fly on top of me like really literally on top of me, almost going towards Saudi Arabia. And that's when I said, oh, there's something happening. And I went back to sleep, and, I, and I, then I hear another boom, like boom, like almost like a vibration in the ground, like an impact, something exploded or something. So I said, oh, my God, God help us, blah, blah. I hope that's just nothing. And, of course, I wake up on my sister, 
try to knock on my door like I'm I'm so tired of having such a peaceful night with my friends and all that and my sister she's the second because I'm the youngest one in the family she's the second youngest she just knocks at my door I don't want to wake up are you still asleep what are you doing sleeping I said what happened so you don't know what happened to Kuwait I said what well, it's, it's upside down and the downtown Kuwait is, is a mess there's Iraqis everywhere I said what now at that point Right away, of course, right away, I called some of my friends. My friends, right away, they said, oh, that might be an, an opposition to our government. Some, some opposition, they're trying to with, uh, with, uh, with take the Kuwaiti government. They want to make democracy and all that. But it doesn't make sense. Those people are peaceful. They're not going to rely on Iraq as an aid to harm their own people. That doesn't make sense. Of course, we all at that time were young, but we were aware of things politically. We're not that uh, naive or blinded. So we just hoped it could be, it'd be anything else. Of course, I remember my friend, his name is Hani. He came by and he, uh, Hani Bushehri, actually, he's one of my closest friends. He wasn't with us that night, but I called him. And he said, yeah, because he lived close. He said, I'll, I'll pick you up, Anwar. Let's go see what's going on. Sadly, this guy also, in time, during the invasion, he lost his brother, of course. But that's another story. So we went to downtown Kuwait, and we saw the mess. We saw a few bodies at the beginning. We couldn't tell at that time if they are Iraqis or Kuwaitis. Uh, it's a big mess. We were laughing, too, because one of the funny situations, we saw one Iraqi, or one of those people who lived, they're nomads, almost like Bedouins of either Iraq or selling remote controls uh thinking he's saying you guys want calculators <laughs> of tvs like this is how unaware of technology these people are and we were, that made us laugh i remember on that day and we saw one guy is selling rolexes like they just stole the rolex store and he's outside with each we looked at that each rolex watch is like i remember like over Fifty thousand at that time. He just selling them for like fifty bucks, ten bucks. But of course, that's just a glimpse of you know that day. Yeah, it's like almost like a riot. It's confusion now, chaos. It's like a big riot. You don't know. You see soldiers, but soldiers, not because they just started. I guess they can't. They're in the beginning of controlling how things are. But things are breaking up. I think there've been shooting going on, but we haven't seen that yet. But we've seen only a couple of bodies. And uh, I remember it didn't set with us very well. So we said, let's go back home. He even hit my friend who was driving. He said, uh, I got to go tell my family. That's it. We've seen enough. We got to go back. So I went back. Now, I, I remember I lied to my family. I didn't, I didn't tell them I was going. I told them just, my friends just picking me up to go to see, to, to see him because they would not allow me to go. Uh, now they would know. I mean, they, now my family knows everything now. But I came back, and I and I, when I came back, there was a speech. The vice president of Kuwait, he's already evacuated to Saudi Arabia, and he's given us Kuwaiti people, giving us a speech saying to resist, to fight, to fight back, not to give up. Blah blah blah. Of course, I was laughing because he just evacuated. He gave his, but I can see why because if he's there, he would have been shot. So it's it's the logical thing to do, I guess. Yeah, and that's it. That's the beginning of the invasion, of the impact. It's still in shock. 
it's one of those things that I never, th- I always see wars and stuff like that in the movies. And when you relive it, that's like, am I really part of this? Like part of me likes it, but fear is slowly creeping on. It doesn't, the impact is, it, it's the shock, yes, is there, but the fear and the awareness, it's, it's, this is the part that is slowly because we're not yet ad- adopted to it. When you say that it, there's almost an enjoyment, would you say that that shock comes with an adrenaline rush because it's so foreign? The reason I said actually it is, it is, it's part of the impact. I remember I'm always the whole time I was not scared. I don't know why I was, but my fear not to be of dying or always as I always thought of the fear that what happened to our country, are we losing our country? This is a beautiful country I grew up in. One of the things that when I came to America here, like in 92, any Kuwaiti, if you tell them any American joke, it doesn't go over their head because our TV. I mean, if I, the other day I challenged my friend who she's grew up in Utah. She's like very American, I call. Uh, we watched all the 60s and 70s shows. She knew maybe 60% and I knew 80% of the shows. She said, oh, I didn't see that. I said, well, I, I used to watch that. Where in Kuwait? Yeah, we have all the shows, all the programs, especially American and British, those two especially, or English, you know, um, uh, influence from those two. Even in England, if, if any Kuwaiti go to England, they understand all the slang and all the jokes because of the programs and our education system. Actually, it's British, not American, of course. All our books is from England and all that. So uh, go back to this. Uh, yeah, uh, well, the resistance, I'm very fortunate. I didn't resist like my other friends did because those friends are lost, some of them. Uh, we smuggled weapons for the resistance one time. We're not part of the resistance. We resisted a different way. I remember me and my other friend, it was no electricity. There was no power in the Kuwait at all, and there's a curfew. The sun goes down there at 7, and after 7, uh, it gets dark, and since there's no power in the sea, you can't see nothing in front of you, like really. So we went at night, me and one of my friends, and we put... Uh, our president pictures over Saddam Hussein's pictures and uh, their troops saw us in the middle of the night and they chased us in the city the good thing that I told my friend to turn the lights off he said but Anwar and uh, run away of course driving he said Anwar I can't see I said look this is our city we know the streets they don't so we, even if you drive slowly, you're not going to hit pavements, you know, you just go down the streets. So my friend uh, said, okay, and we did. I remember that night very well. Me and his name is Abdel Mahsin Leblushi. If he's listening, he remember that story. I told him, don't look back. You just drive going back to my house because he knows the streets. But I just told him, turn the lights off. And I can see the Jeep light way back. They're trying to find us now. I told him, don't even hit the brake. That's why I told you, drive slowly so they don't see the brakes, <laughs> the brake lights. That's how I was like trying to conduct this, you know, and uh, got us home safe, of course. He, these people, are, oh, my nephew Yasser and his brother, they bought a tank for five, like for 20 bucks. <laughs> they scared. They were playing soccer and they saw that's during the invasion. They were playing soccer and a tank lost it lots of lost its uh, way so they're trying to get guidance back to oh can you tell us they saw us playing soccer like that 
uh, and uh, my nephew, we stopped playing soccer. And we saw this tank coming and we scared, but it's by itself. So he's, even though they have weapon, we have just football. The guy said, do you know where's the uh, this street, blah, blah, blah. Like they want to go back to the, they said, why? Why you want to, are you lost? And in the midst of my nephew, he was just, he had enough. And the cold, cold tone, he tells him, look, I'll tell you where that street, but leave that tank here. I'll get, I'll buy it for you from 20 bucks. Now, at that age, we were young, but it's, it's just, it's not about, uh, this is about courage. It's about will. Like, how could you, it's like that Chinese, it reminds me of that Chinese picture, uh, I mean, in Thailand, when the guy stood in front of the many tanks. I felt that day that happened to my, my nephew told him, look, uh, I'll tell you, but you're going to leave this tank. I'll give you 20 bucks. I'll buy it from you. For 20. It's like almost degrading that, the, you know, we want to degrade them uh, for what they did to us. But he said, look, and he got, even though we had nothing, he got scared because it's the way he was looking around. He said, are they more of them? He was thinking that probably because we were the, why would they just leave the tank? And they did it. They, we. He said, well, we didn't give him money. We just tell him, leave it. And yeah, the road you want to, but leave that you, you're not taking that tank anymore. We, he said it to him like that with all the confidence. That kind of intimidated the guy, the experienced fucking soldier who had been to war with Iran and, and all that, who's inside the tank. He was quiet for a moment, talking to his people inside these guys. And they all came out. They saw us. They could have said, fuck you with the shoe. But they kept looking around. There's an old school to the right, few houses, and one big yard where we were playing soccer. It seemed quiet. But they felt like they were not alone. Because also, why are these kids playing soccer in the midst of all this? That's what we gave them. And we were all quiet. Only my nephew was talking to them. That's another thing. We None of us said a word. We were just looking at them. Okay, okay. Thank you. He said, we left. And we never said anything. They said, thank you. We didn't even respond. We just told them where the road was. And they left. Right away, my nephew called his friends. And the resistance came. And we, they took everything. from, And then they burned it. Yeah. My nephew and his friends. That, uh, the resistance, I think. And we made it like, uh, that's, a, that's, I think, one of the beautiful stories that I went through, to be honest. It's about will and how we wanted to test our confidence. Like, none of us, even though my nephew spoke, he said the words, and we were just, well, but we all agreed. We know, and we said, what are you doing? No, we just, we knew right away. We were just looking at him. Like, I remember, we all given them, like, we hated them for what they did. And we were just looking at them. Yeah, like, we were ready to, to be killed right now, but... We just, we had a, that's our weapon, a football. But this is the kind of resistance. We helped the resistance by, oh, there's many forms of resistance, really, but any form is as risky. At first, uh, there are a lot of people, of course, evacuating Kuwait. Uh, people, I wouldn't say they gave up, but it wasn't healthy for them to say. So there are two ways uh, to leave Kuwait, either up north or south. South to Saudi Arabia, north actually going back through Iraq which seems actually it's even better yes because they allow we to Iraq they think we became one country Kuwait and Iraq became one country so they're trying to give us Iraqi papers so if you go wander around through Iraq Baghdad and all that you're okay as long as you tell me we're part we're part of you now so that's how it works but the through Iraq you can easily go through Syria Lebanon or Iran or from but oh, you have one option through Saudi Arabia that's where the troops really are the hardcore uh, soldiers or uh, lieutenants or the people that closer to Saddam Hussein are in the south by so because that's where 
you know, the, the anti-Saddam Hussein as all the American headquarters in Saudi Arabia. So some people wants to go through, uh, evacuate through the South, through Saudi Arabia. So me and my friend, uh, we made a car. Uh, we have an old car. We, we, we made it like a license with Iraqi. Because you can't drive in Kuwaiti. They think, oh, you still follow the Kuwaiti rules like that. And you think automatically you're resistant and they can capture you and do whatever they want to do so so we uh, my friend specialized the car with the Iraqi so we can help Kuwaiti families to to you know transport here and there to get things for people like to buy food even for them we have to transport with a documented car so so in that car we helped a lot of people so one of these uh, 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 tasks I remember my friend told me I know where this family needs to leave Kuwait we need to, I said where where are they going Said South. I said, yeah. Have you done this before? He goes, yeah. I've been doing it for the last few times. I just need someone. Always need one person with me. No one's coming with me. I said, okay. I'll go with you. How long that'll take? He said, two hours going, two hours leaving, two hours, four hours. I said, oh, perfect. <laughs> I'll be back in time. My family won't even know. Uh, that day, of course, a special day that we took a family, a mom and her kids. They wanted to go. The husband actually in Saudi Arabia already, waiting for his family. So I guess the the checkpoints you go through every time. Where are you guys going? Oh, these people want to. And the Iraqis, they want Kuwaitis to leave. So the, the emptier Kuwait will be, it's easy for them to take it. So they, they're okay for you. But what they're not okay with is us, who's take. They're right. Why you guys are doing this to these Kuwaiti family? You guys must be resistance. So this one high rank soldier, one of the, because they have these red berets or something like that. With like many stars on his shoulders and and he's like the one who everybody's salute and hardly talk to and he just sits and he was there that day and we, he waited he waited till the family leaves and he came to us <laughs> after that as soon as the family leaves we're at the border now for Saudi Arabia and, and he said so where are you guys going now we said we're gonna go back home we just <laughs> he said okay what do you what else do you guys do I said nothing we don't do anything these are friends and uh, friends of the family and they want to leave and we they didn't have anyone to take them and we and said uh, how come you came with them why are you guys two guys or this You're asking us questions like that you guys must be said said no he of course they searched the car blah blah while he was talking to us because they took us out of the car of course and we're just standing there and it's a little tent headquarters few uh, like uh, portable houses like of course there are troops everywhere it's just desert you know there's also the, <laughs> you see the sea, the gulf, but there's nothing beyond that, of course. Uh, anyway, so he said, uh, I remember he said uh, something like, okay, then I, uh, this is what I'm going to say, uh, tell you guys. I'll let you guys go back home. I said, thank you, uh, but leave this car here. I said, we didn't get, we didn't understand what he was saying at first. I said, the, are you guys going to give us a lift? Because <laughs> we were okay. <laughs> they stole, every time they steal things from us, like they stop you, they take your car. Uh, we thought like, yeah, maybe uh, one of those troops, you know, a truck's going back to the city. <laughs> They're going to give us a lift. He said, no, no, you guys are going back, walking. And he said, we looked at me and my friends, we looked at each other, what? Uh, we didn't say anything. We were just looking at, we thought I, we were going to get shot, to be honest with you. And we took it. So, Right away, we're not even scared. But I said, okay, you know what? 
we get shot, we get shot. What can we do? But uh, every time, if you want to get shot, you feel bad of the image that I remember now, whenever this is maybe the second, third time, they stopped us and we, I thought I was going to get shot. Uh, the image that comes to my mind is my family, that I didn't return back home to them. My sister, my, my dad, God bless them. Where's Anwar? They're not going to know. And that's it. And they're going to search for me and it takes a few days, blah, blah. Just, I remember like any other family, like they don't know where their kids were till this day. I mean, they took it, of course, for granted they're dead, but, but that's the image that came to my head. My family, really. That's the only thing that I worried about. I didn't care about. They put a bullet in my head. <laughs> I said, I served my life. <laughs> I served my time. So, uh, yeah, he, he told us, he tells us uh, not to go back, uh, taking the streets as well. I said, we don't understand. How do you want us to go back? <laughs> we told, but we don't, you don't want to joke with him because if you somehow seem sarcastic, he might get pissed and shoot you right there. Our survival, we're trying just to be very politically, you know, uh, correct with him. So he said, uh, I'm going to tell all my troops on every search point down the street, if they see you, they're going to shoot you guys. So you have to take the desert. And and me and my friend, Hani, we know that the desert is filled with mines. But Hani tells me, my friend, yeah, the desert's filled, it's filled with mines, man. What are we going to do? I said, I don't know. Are you sure? You're going to say, yes, anyway. Don't you see the news? They, they were putting mice from the day one. So any of these troops would come back to Kuwait, like the American tanks, or if they come, they step on these mines. So they put them everywhere. Especially that route. If, if, I, if I have a map, I'll show you. Like the way we are walking, we're walking really literally side of the Saudi border to all the way to my city. So that's where all the mines were. So I said, look, let's think about this. Now we have daylight. It's like almost 2 a.m. at 2 p.m. or something like that. So I said, sooner is going to get dark, but we have to be very careful. Let's take advantage of it as much because at night you're not going to see anything. Now, during the day, I remember we had to think as we walk. I said, look, if they put mines, they're not going to cover them that for them to look natural. They have something has to look a little bit like uh, uh, not unnatural, like if they're they're missing like you see uh, it's a they digged something and it look it looks messy or something sticks out or something and besides also they're not going to dig where the bushes are those little lumps they're, they're going to do it on a more flat so let's avoid any flat he said anyway this desert's all flat i said no but if you look it's high it has a lot of lumps also a lot of bushes so if you see a big gap between two don't go through there so let's go around it or somehow and and try to jump more like running he said run jump i don't know. I said yeah let's run but we take bigger strides instead of small ones let's make our steps like i said i don't remember a little wider than take small but that's if you like imagine if taking two what you take two steps make it one step giant step you cut your chances by 50 percent. i have to be <laughs> i have to be i have to that's my survival i had to follow these rules he said, okay, I'll follow you. Luckily me, I was wearing uh, nice sneakers. He was wearing sandals and I felt bad for him. His feet at the end of the journey was bleeding. Uh, but Honey was, he just a vicious uh, man, I remember, because he lost his brother and, and he didn't react like if he lost one the whole time. He was just uh, a moving force. 
he saw his his he was in the resistance by the way my friend not me he actually fought and killed the iraqis but uh he kept it like he nothing happened so that night yeah we just uh we started that journey by doing so taking bigger strides walking toward these bushes but there's this uh, very dry um desert uh, kind of plant that it's it has a lot of thorns sometimes we me wearing shoes somehow they got into my shoes and my socks and i hate that feeling and i was looking at him and he keeps like uh, wiping things off of his feet and and he didn't care he just running so this is for hani more than it's for me i would i would salute this story is for him not for me i was just not as much but anyways and it quickly got dark, I remember, because your mind is worried about something, how to go back. Oh, that's another thing I said. How Now, this is the desert. How <laughs> We used, our, I guess, our true Arabic instinct <laughs> came with the navigation thing. Came out, how we use the stars and all that. It's just bullshit. <laughs> I said, look, I used my sense of directions, which is if I took that, if I went two miles that way, taking the street, and then we went left, taking three miles, blah, blah. That must be the direction of our city in that point. Like, just, uh, you know, uh, estimation. And I said, probably our city would be on that. I aimed at something. I said, because oh, my city comes before his city. He lives a little bit further. So I said, I said, let's go to my house first. And he said, okay, let's go to your house. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I said, so it must be there. And this is the, the direction we made. I kept changing. Like I said, no, I feel like we went far left now because we're jumping. Let's go a little bit to the right. And it got darker as we're doing this. It was just, uh, I remember we were not talking about anything. We didn't have any conversations like uh, about stories. The, the, the walk in the desert took about nine hours, maybe. Uh, I usually say seven, but every time I think about it, I said, no, it took nine because I remember it was around two o'clock when we had that, and we went there almost by midnight or something like that. So it was a little shorter than 10. So uh, as as we walk, we always talk about what we step on. Uh, okay, now what we do, there's a land coming, looks different than the land we just crossed. Like this is more bushier. Oh, then we were luckier that if it's more bush, but then it gets really flat. That's when we're worried. And now this is the part where it got dark and it's, I remember that's the scariest of us. Uh, I know maybe there's no reason, maybe there are no mines, but you don't know that. It's just we were worried about mines and they, 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 we faced the line that is just, we start to see, uh, when it got dark, it's also what helped us. We start to see light, which is we say, that's a city, that's our city. There's no more, that's the city we want to go to. But it's way far, though. It's like he, it's like you see downtown LA here from freaking, from uh, let's say uh, where? Did, like you're you're in San Diego. You see downtown LA. It got really flat. I remember we worried, and actually, but then the light, some reason, became so bright, almost, almost like if it was daytime. It was very bright. Like the moon was huge that night. <laughs> It seems like one of those incidents called Blue Moon incident that happened during that invasion. It's like something from above or something. And guess what? When on that flat line, we saw sticks coming out of the floor. Like obvious. More than the daytime we saw. On that flat mine, we saw that. We knew those were mines. Luckily, uh, at nighttime, they have... Uh, some reason as we because we I said I came out. now let's walk slower 
because it's flat we have to be more careful now because it's also dark blah blah but as we walk you can see them sticking out because uh like it's and it's not one you see plenty as you walk like you see one and then in maybe 20 feet or 30 feet you find another one and there's so oh luckily that they stick about above the ground like about three four inches but you can see them and we knew these were mines because when i when i went back and i talked to expert they said oh those are mines but they're kind of the heavier set they're meant to be for tanks to step on them but yeah if you're running if you step on one even if you don't stick uh, step on these sticks if you step next to it it could explode yeah but next to really next to it not like next to it, two feet away or something because like, they're they, they showed them to us they're like round they look like a disc shape they're about two feet wide the radius anyway so we did that we were just walking walking till all of a sudden uh, as I sorry, my friend, as we were busy looking at the floor and talking about the mines, all of a sudden, we saw the cities really close, like almost like an hour to a half hour away. So we just didn't care anymore. We said, "Let's run, let's just run," and we did. And we ran, and we see the freeway, and we were just the most, the most beautiful relief ever when we saw the freeway. Which right above that freeway is my city, which is, uh, when I say my city, it's not that big. It's maybe you cross a quarter of a mile to my house after that. But it's a city. There's no mines in the city or nothing like that. Uh, so, yeah, we crossed. And even though there's no power, but in Kuwait, they use generators, those camping generators for power during because the, they watch the TV news and uh they worry, of course, a lot of fire. you can hear, but we didn't want to knock it. We wanted, we were so eager to knock at any, just the first house was help us, but we didn't even do it. We didn't want to bother them because just in case in, in Iraq, if we, we don't want to involve them, if, if they see us, they might involve that family with us and they could, we don't want to bring harm to anyone. I said, Lord, let's just go to my family. <laughs> and I did. We made it. We avoided all the checkpoints in the city because I knew where they were. My friend knew where they were. Went back home, and when my brother-in-law opened the door, he, my 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 sister's husband, of course, and he's a he has a PhD in physiotherapy and all that from Pittsburgh as well. And he right away he looked at us. He looked at us. We looked like <laughs> muddy in a way <laughs> from walking the desert and tired, and he knew what's going on. He said, just come. He didn't want to, he didn't want my family even to worry. It's all about, everybody's considered during the war. He didn't want my sister. He took us to one room in his house and he healed my friend more than me. I was just tired. I drank water, but he saw my friend's feet. He said, oh my God, they're bleeding. My friend didn't care. He was like, they're thorn and all between his toes. And, and uh, he didn't care. He was like, yeah, I'm thirsty. I'm th We're all thirsty, of course. I remember the first thing. So thirsty. We drank. And this is the honey. He's courageous. My brother-in-law told him, don't go anywhere. Stay here. My brother-in-law, even he healed his uh, appendix finger because he's my uh, friend. Because he's in the risky. He's been firing a lot of those. He saw and said, but this is where the mark where the trigger is. He saw the mark. He said, Iraqis could look for this, you know, and they would know. Amazing how that uh, didn't look at his hand at that time. If he, he would, they would have shot. When we, when my brother-in-law said that to us, 
we looked at each other and said, oh my God, if that big uh, ranking soldier, if he looked into my, when he let us go, if he just looked at his hand and saw the pen, he would probably would have, okay, you guys are to shoot them. It's a big mark shows that he uses the trigger all the time. So it's like my brother-in-law told him, I can fix that. And he skinned it for him because it's an old skin that Craig, he skinned it and he, he did something else I remember for him. He said, so they don't, uh, he did something for the other fingers and they, they tell you, say, yeah, you got burnt. So it's, yeah, he, he touched something like a pan. You touched it or something, you burn yourself if they tell you. So, and he gave him even like, uh, yeah, uh, some sort of cream like to, but the war is like that always at the end, the, 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 the main thing you, you grasp or learn from my, your story is that, okay, yes, you've been to war, you've seen casualties, you've seen this, but there's something beautiful out of this too comes out. It makes you not just a better person, but that force if you fight it well and you fight it with good philosophy and good you could be that part of that force so that was that that was uh, that day uh, at that time there's nothing beautiful about it, but it, my memories as a all i remember is that the moonlight really at night it, it kind of saved us i always i always admired the moon but that night made me love the moon even more to be honest it's just because I remember even at that time I, I listened to classical music and Beethoven's Moonlight, the one uh, I love that sonata. But uh, every time I hear it now, it reminds me of that day. Beautiful. Honestly, April, I'm kind of speechless. I. I really want to just leave you guys with his story, with Anwar's story, and say thank you for joining us this week. And thanks to the moon also. 